Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Love Talk Radio. Mommy, I hear the baby cry. Help me. The word she's in
Okay, well, welcome to our Thursday night broadcast of Prayer International Radio. I'm Sean Holmberg. Chris Herzog will be joining us in just a little bit. Father, tonight, Lord, for everybody who is listening, Lord, from any corner of the earth, Father, you know exactly where each and every one of us are at, Lord. Father, I ask for your grace, your mercy, Lord, be poured out into our lives, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and revelation. Father, wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, as it says in Ephesians, Lord, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of our calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance and the saints. Father, that we would know the exceeding greatness of your power toward us to believe. Holy Spirit, I lay this entire broadcast down at your feet. Lord Jesus, that you would have complete and total control, that you would have complete and total glory. Father, that every word that comes forth from my mouth or Chris's mouth, Lord, that it would bring glory and honor to your name, Jesus. Holy Spirit, that you would take every word, Lord, and use them to plant and to sow and to water into the hearts and the lives of those who may be listening, Father. Father, that you would reach down into their lives, Father, and open up their ears to hear your voice. Father, that you would open up their eyes to see you. Father, that you would open their hearts to receive you that you would expand the borders of their hearts, Lord, so they can comprehend what is the width and the depth and the length of, and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Know the love of Christ. You know, it says in Ephesians, Paul said in chapter 3, verse 8, he says to me, who am least among the, I mean, less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It says again in Romans 11, 33, oh, the depth of the riches, the boast of the wisdom and knowledge of God, his unsearchable, oh, how unsearchable are his judgments. And his ways past finding out. You know, I was thinking about that just for a minute. About the unsearchable things of the Lord. Which are revealed to us not through human knowledge, not through education and teaching, not through word of mouth, but through revelation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who takes the word of God and makes it alive in us. The Holy Spirit who quickens us to even give us the ability 
to have communion with the Holy God Himself. Because without Him, there's no desire, there's no anything. The Bible says that no one just comes to God, no one just decides that they're going to serve God, no one out of their own, out of their flesh, wants to worship God. It's only through the Spirit. The Spirit that's been made alive in Christ Jesus, that's been set free from sin and death, that's been delivered from the darkness and translated into the kingdom of life. The same Spirit that has received adoption through Jesus Christ on the cross, whereas the Scripture says we cry out of a Father. You know, Paul was a man who, he wasn't there in the beginning of Christ's ministry like the rest of the disciples. He wasn't one of those lucky few who were with Jesus on the shore when he broke the bread and fed 5,000. He wasn't at the wedding feast of Cana where Jesus turned the water into wine. He wasn't in a little girl's room when Jesus walked in there and kicked everybody out but the parents and told the little girl to rise, and she rose from the dead. For that matter, Paul wasn't there when Jesus was outside of Lazarus' tomb, being touched because Lazarus was a friend, but knowing the will of God, knowing the plans and purposes of the Lord, knowing that regardless of what the flesh looks like, regardless of what people's eyes beheld, he knew his father. He knew who he was in the Lord. His Lord. (laughs) And so Paul wasn't there when Jesus called forth Lazarus out of the tomb. He didn't see the miracles. He didn't hear the sermons. Paul was just a regular person who grew up studying and trying to be the best little person he could, trying to be the best scribe and Pharisee or whatever terminology he was considered back in the day. But he had studied more than most, knew the scriptures more than most. But the knowledge he had didn't bring forth life. And you see, the world's knowledge, as advanced as it is, never brings forth life. Because knowledge outside of the truth is empty. And the only truth there is, is the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Because Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Paul was the one who was trying to crucify these Christians, trying to kill every one of them because they were bringing this doctrine about that was completely contrary to what the modern-day religious elite thought was right. Until one day. You know, we've all had that until one day. All of us going through our lives completely oblivious to anything but our own passions and desires until one day there's a blinding light 
and doesn't happen the same for all of us. Never heard anybody who's told me the exact same story because, you know, God's really big into relationships and everybody's unique. Everybody's different. But there's always some blinding light that goes off in your heart and in your spirit and something just sparks on the inside of you and your eyes begin to open and you realize the one thing that you're missing, the thing that you need most of all is the Lord Jesus. And some people start not even knowing how much they need him. They just don't want to go to hell. They just, they hear the stories about eternal life and, Without him, there is no eternal life, which is true. And so they say a prayer thinking, okay, well, now I have eternal life. Now I'm saved. Good to go. Let me get back on with my life. And then the Holy Spirit slowly starts whispering to them that there's more. I mean, what could be more? I mean, having eternal life, not having to go to hell. He, Jesus died for our sins, took our punishment. Enough's enough, then that's good. But the funny thing is, it's only the beginning. The greatest sacrifice in history was just the tip of the iceberg of what's possible to those that are willing to believe. You go to remote places like Africa or Mexico where Christians walk in the same manner in which they believe, and you'll hear all sorts of miracles, the things that we read about in the Bible through the Gospels, the the miracles that Jesus did, those same miracles where he said, if you believe in my name, do these things. He said, go into the nations, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. And we read it and we're like, okay, we just put it in there with the rest of the Bible stories that we assume happened at some point, but we never expect that we're going to see or have the opportunity to be a part of. But yet all over the world, there are those who have trusted their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and have taken this word of life, this scripture, And it's become real to them, not just words on paper, but living truth. And they determine among themselves that if this is what God said, God who created heaven and earth without ending, without beginning, as as Missy Edwards would say, the uncreated one. And they'll take this word and they'll do amazing, amazing things through the Holy Spirit. But even then, it's only the tip of the iceberg of what's possible. And you would say, well, what's more spectacular? What's better than seeing someone healed or seeing someone raised from the dead or even seeing a salvation? And the answer would be seeing him. The answer would be having a relationship with him. The answer would be 
knowing not only have you passed from death to life, but part of being alive is having communion with the Most High God, the same God that a majority of the world refuses to acknowledge even exists, even though Romans declares that the very knowledge of God is evident by creation itself. But it's that knowledge that's beyond comprehension to know him, to be able to even have the ability and the opportunity and the privilege to come and pray before him, to intercede in front of him, to hear him speak to you, have him impart things into your spirit through his word. You know, um, it says in, uh, where was it, Corinthians, it says, this is uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, David Hogan, who is a missionary in Mexico, made a comment, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, there are plenty of people in his ministry who come up to him and they'll say, well, we don't believe this, and we don't believe this, and we don't believe this, and he's like, okay, if you want to go to hell, I'll step aside and have at it. I'm going this way. I'm going to heaven. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to follow me, let's go. And the more I go on in this world, between now and whenever the Lord Jesus decides that my time here is done, and I, like Paul said, put off this tent and go to be with him, the more and more I go on in this world, the more I realize how exceedingly corrupt this world is. Some by choice and some by absence of knowledge that they have a choice. Quite a few out there who refuse to believe, and then those that don't know they can believe. And when we preach the gospel, it's not necessarily for those who don't care, for those who've made up their mind they're not going to serve anyone. They're not going to fall under the lordship of anyone. And those who declare that they don't want to have anything to do with a God who tells them what to do. Because the Holy Spirit will work on them. But there's so many out there who don't even know that there is a God, who don't know who Jesus even is. They've never heard the salvation story. They never knew that someone died for their sins. It says, verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message that was preached to save those who believe. You know, the world declares Christians foolish. You know, at times, I think rightfully so, the way that some Christians behave in church on Sundays, declaring their adoration for the Lord and then walking out and forgetting who he even is. And not, and I'm not saying that to point fingers or judge anybody because we're all like that. You know, Paul had this life-changing encounter when he became face-to-face with the Lord. Had everything that he could possibly want. Life was going pretty good. Until he realized that what he had wasn't life. In Philippians chapter 3, he said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same, same things to you is not tedious, but to you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. You know, what Paul's saying is that when he says no confidence in the flesh, is realizing that there's absolutely nothing good that dwells inside of us. That, as the scripture says, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. As it says in Ephesians, for... By grace, we are saved through faith, but not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That there's absolutely no way that we could ever justify, redeem, deliver, or save ourselves. We can never recommend ourselves to God. Because we can never be perfect. We can never be holy. Outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has declared us perfect. The scripture declares he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified, declaring us righteous before the Lord, where every one of us will stand before the Father. And when the devil arises to make accusations against us, our chief advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, will be right there declaring his blood over us. And our confidence and our rejoicing it can never be in ourselves and what we've done or what we've obtained, but only what he's done, only the victory that we have through him. He said, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks they have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I was circumcised the eighth day, a stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is from the law, I was blameless. And, you know, for a normal person who isn't Hebrew, who's not Jewish, most of that would make absolutely no sense, but it's pretty impressive. 
I mean, he had everything together to commend himself in front of anybody except for God. In verse 7, he says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And he goes on to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if I by any means may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I do not count myself to understood everything, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, to be found in him. And he talks about the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. And what does that really, really mean to be found in him? You know, we talk about salvation, and rightfully so. The scripture says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But on top of having him as your savior, he's also Lord. As I heard someone put it recently, nobody just wakes up and puts a crown upon his head and declares, okay, Jesus, you're my Lord today. He was already Lord. He was already king. The Bible says that God has given him a name that is above every name. So it's not so much us making him Lord, but us realizing that he already is Lord and submitting ourselves to his will and his authority. That we may be found in him. Father. Revealed to every one of us what it really means to be surrendered, Lord, to you. Father, laying down our own ambitions, Father, laying down our desires, laying down our plans and our purposes. Father, that we can serve you. Father, that we can be yielded to your spirit. That we can be open to your voice. 
Father, that when you say go, we'll go. When you say come, we'll come. When you say pray, Father, we'll pray. Father, we stand here, Lord, knowing, Father, knowing that you hear us. Lord, and it it seems awkward to pray for the salvation of the entire world. We're used to praying for people and individuals, but Lord, we're declaring your will to be done, Father, for this entire earth. Every country, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, Jesus, that you would be glorified. Father, that you would raise up men, women, and children, Lord, who will boldly proclaim your name to the nations. Father, those who will not back down, Father, those who will not be afraid, for your word declares that you have been given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, you will give boldness to your church, the boldness who came your name to the nations. To demonstrate your word to the nations. Father, that you would raise a church that is unified. From what I remember of the scripture, you didn't say that the disciples were in the upper room all deciding who was going to be the leader. And they weren't up there trying to decide who had the best sermon to give out or the best message or anything else. But your word declares they were in one mind, in one accord, seeking your faith. Lord, and it seems that in these times you live where your word declares it'll be like the days of Noah, that even more so, Father, we be on our knees continually before you, asking for your hand to move across the world, across the nations, Father from the youngest child, Father, to the oldest man, Father, you would reveal yourself to this world. Father, that you would raise up righteous leaders, Lord, and those who are already in office, Father, that you, Holy Spirit, you would move upon their heart to judge with righteous judgment. Father, that you would cause deliverance to come to places like Africa. Father, where there's apartheid and violence, Lord. That there's innocent people, innocent children, Lord. Being led to the slaughter on a daily basis, Father. Lord, we ask for your will to be done, Father. We ask for deliverance, Father. We ask for justice and righteousness. Father, for we know you can do all things. Father, when we know that there's no change if we don't pray. And Lord, we're asking for deliverance even for our own nation. 
that you would raise up intercessors, Lord, to cry out before you day and night until your hand moves, Lord, upon our nation. Father, that you would cause us to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. Not vain worship, just to make noise, just to be heard, Father. Not for us just to have some type of entertainment, Lord, but that we could really give you the glory and honor that you deserve. As it says in Revelation that the entire host of heaven will cast our crowns before you and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. Jesus, that every minute, every breath, every move, every action that we take, Father, going forward, would bring you glory and honor. Your word declares to present your members as living sacrifice, Father, and you even said that you could cause the rocks to cry out worship to you. And the Father, at times it seems that we're those rocks that need to cry out worship to you. Father, so I ask, according to your scripture, that you would take out the stony heart and give us a heart of flesh, Father, that you would put your words Lord, in our hearts and in our minds, Father. Lord, that you would cause us to seek your face. That you would cause us to draw near to you, Lord. For your word declares that if we draw near to you, you would draw near to us. Holy Spirit, that you convict our hearts, Lord. Father, not just of sin, but of our complacency in serving you. Our complacency in seeking your face, of our disbelief. In you. Jesus, that you would be glorified in everything we do from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. That when we go out into the streets, Lord, and into the synagogues, and into the marketplaces and the workplaces, Father, that we would become those living epistles, declaring the goodness of God, declaring the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, that we wouldn't even have to speak a word, but your presence alone would be enough to declare that we're children of God. Father, that you would open our mouths to speak. Holy Spirit, that you would give us the words and take those words, Father, to change those who hear us.
and all who are thirsty and all who
cries out too deep. We want nothing else. As deep cries out too deep. Sing, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. You're all that we want. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. 
right, well, welcome back to another edition of Prayer International Radio. Just taking some time, you know, blessed be your holy name. That's what it's all about. Giving God the praise, giving God the worship that is due his name. You know, does your heart choose to say, no matter whether he's giving or taking away, whatever season of your life that you're walking through, that you're experiencing, where's your heart? Are you choosing God? Are you choosing to bless his name, no matter what things look like? No matter how things are going to turn out? Can you trust him? He wants to know, can you trust him? Proverbs tells us, trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding. So don't lean on the way you're thinking it should be. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge him in your ways. Acknowledge him in every way. Not just the religious ways. Not just the spiritual, what we call spiritual ways, but in every aspect, every area, every single thing that you apply in your life, acknowledge him in it. You see, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, everywhere you walk, he's walking with you anyways, right? So wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, Whatever you're experiencing, he's experiencing it with you, right, already. He's already walking through it with you. So why not begin to lean on him? Why not to begin to press in and begin to value and honor God's opinion? Value and honor God's leading or God's cautioning or God's hesitations. See, sometimes God wants to lead us into a situation, but sometimes he wants to lead us out of it. Sometimes he wants to lead us through it. Sometimes he puts us right in the middle of it because it's part of the process or wherever we're at or it's part of our assignment or there's someone there that needs Jesus. God has to put us in the middle of it. See, we pray to be like Jesus. We pray, Lord, make me like Jesus. Have you ever really thought about what that means? Have you ever examined the life of Christ? Have you ever studied Christology or or the study of the life of Christ? And really seen what this man, what this God, what he walked through, what he went through? Day and day out, the good, the bad, the ugly, the glorious. And you pray, and I've prayed it many times, oh, Lord, make me like Jesus. But do you want to be a living sacrifice? Do you want to lay down your life for your friends? Do you want to put others before yourself? Do you want to have to lay down and pick up the cup of the assignment of God that maybe at at one place in your life you look at it as 
too much to bear or you don't want to bear the cross. But Jesus said, look, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross. Deny your flesh, deny yourself, deny your carnal nature and desires and pick up your cross and follow me. Now, what's your cross? It's your assignment. What's your cross? It's it's the very thing that crucifies your flesh in your life and brings you to total submission to the will of God. That was the cross for Jesus. Not only did it crucify his flesh, caused him to put down his desire. Nevertheless, Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. He laid down his will to pick up God's will, to embrace God's will. Lord, if if this cup can pass from me, listen, he, he did not want to go to the cross. Look, water into wine. Hey, he was eager for that one. Blind eye opened. Dead girl raised from the dead, resurrected. Come on. These were not hard things. These were things that even even a 40-day fast in the desert, Didn't cause him to break. Didn't cause him to bow. Listen, he was hungry. He was thirsty. Probably slightly hallucinatory. Fasting in the desert with no food or water. But listen, when it came to the cross, Jesus was something that he had to set his heart, set his face, set his self to become obedient even unto the death of the cross. He humbled himself. See, we have to humble ourselves and become obedient even to our carnal death, even to death to our flesh, even to death to our desires, death to our will, and become alive unto God's will. Become alive unto God's plan and purposes. Begin to embrace God's assignment. Jesus said, look, if you're going to follow me, you better take up your cross. You're not worthy. So wherever you are, you have the Holy Spirit with you, in you, on you. If you are a child, if you are a son or daughter of the Most High God, He is with you and in you to willing to do of the Father's good pleasure. God said, I've put my spirit in you. I've put a new heart in you. I've put a new mind in you. I will quicken your mortal body with my spirit, strengthen you. I will turn your confusion into peace. I will turn your infirmity into healing. I will turn your mourning into joy. 
I will turn your confusion into wisdom and clarity. I will turn your ignorance into education and have you school the ignorant or maybe even the learned. Why is it God can take a high school dropout put his Holy Spirit on that person and use that person to speak and turn the hearts of even the most eloquent speakers and the most educated orators and the most keen philosophers of our day but God can put his spirit in someone that's not even learned that's not even educated that's not even what we call Gifted at speaking. But God says he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Why is that? To just show you that he's a God of the impossible. To just show you your need for him. To just show you that you're dependent on him. And apart from him you can do nothing. But through him you can do all things. Because his Holy Spirit will strengthen you. what it's about follow me Jesus said and I will make you fishers of men and he was talking to fishermen but see he appealed to something they were familiar with he used something that they could identify with and used something that they were skilled naturally so that they could grasp something deeper, something spiritually, and then use it for the glory of God. He'll do the same for you. See, he'll, he knows how to reel you in. He knows how to draw you. No one can come to God unless the Spirit draw him. No one catches a fish unless you draw him in. Jesus said he'll make fishers of men, fishers of souls. How does he fish your soul? What is he using to fish you, to draw you, to pull you towards him? What is he using? How is he provoking you under good works? How is he provoking me under good works? See, he says in the word, all things pertaining to life and godliness, he has given us all things. Paul told us in Ephesians, every spiritual gift. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, Ephesians. So what is that? Could it be that everything you need in your life is already somewhere in the plan of God? It's already placed inside of you. It's already placed in your past. It's already connected to someone you already know. 
God just wants to open your eyes and reveal things as you go, reveal things to you, help you discover the dreams of God, help you discover the destiny of God. See, it's one thing to have a desire. Oh, I have a desire to pray. I have a desire to know God. It's another thing to be so set into it that it becomes a discipline. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes the way you live your life. You become disciplined to attain those things in God. And once you begin to break through, once you begin to experience God, once you begin to encounter blessings and answers to prayer and you hear the voice of God leading you and you begin to respond to it and you see the reward for those that are diligently seeking him. And all of a sudden it becomes a delight. You go from desire to discipline to delight. And what becomes a drudgery, oh, I'm going to pray for 15 minutes I'm going to read my Bible for 15, a chapter. Oh, I've got to read my chapter today. Stay on track with my daily Bible reading plan. But once you begin to experience the richness of his word, all of a sudden I get to read. I can't wait to hear his voice. I can't wait to see what kind of treasures are inside the word of God. And taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you begin to feel him and experience him in the place of prayer, and you begin to hear the voice of your father talking to you and leading you, all of a sudden you can't wait to get to the secret place. You can't wait to 15 minutes just goes by like a snap of the finger because you're lost in his presence and you're caught up with him somewhere. And all of a sudden that discipline that was felt like a drudgery at some point becomes a desire, becomes a delight, becomes pleasurable. It becomes pleasurable knowing God. It becomes pleasurable to know God. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. When you hang out at the throne of your king, you hang out in your the lap of your father, you hang out at the feet of your master, however you want to term it, however you see it, whatever identifies with you. Jesus used the fishing term to relate to a bunch of fishing, cussing, sailor men that, listen, these were fishermen, sailors. Jesus said, look, I'm going to take something you're familiar with and I'm going to use it. God will reach out to you. God will speak to you the way you need to be spoken to. 
God will begin to touch you the way you need to be touched by him. God will begin to communicate to you and reveal to you and bless you. See, God says, I bless who I want to bless and I curse who I want to curse. Because he is who he is. He knows who you are. He knows what you have need of even before you ask. Jesus said, hey, it's okay to ask. Just remember, even if you didn't ask, even if you forgot to ask, even if you didn't ask enough, your father knows what you have need of. He sees you. He knows. Look, if he cares about the birds of the air having a nest, he cares about the flowers of the field and and the grass on the ground. Protect everything during that season. Don't you think he knows? See, God necessarily doesn't respond to need as much as he responds to faith. See, that's where people get confused. They see all these needs out in the world not being met. Part of that is because the church isn't stepping up, doing their part to meet the need the way God commanded us to. The other part of that is sometimes we have to exercise our faith. And just because we have a need doesn't mean God's going to automatically respond to it. See, he's looking for those that are going to trust him. He's looking for those that are going to seek him for the solution. And he's a rewarder, like I said earlier. He's a rewarder of those. He rewards those that are diligent, habitually, constantly, fervently, Seeking him. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, James says. The book of James, New Testament. And there's a fervent prayer. There's a consistency in prayer. There's a momentum in prayer. Look, when you get a chainsaw or an axe after a tree, you don't just stop right in the middle of it. And leave it. You don't just stop right in the middle of it and leave it. What you do is is you keep on laying into it. You keep on sawing into it. You keep on pressing into it until all of a sudden you get your breakthrough. All of a sudden you see the splinters and the chunks of wood start flying and you hear that cracking and all of a sudden you know that that tree is about to fall down. And there's a momentum in prayer. There's a timing. There's a consistency. There's a pressing in in a secret place where if you'll just keep pressing, there'll be a breaking. There'll be a breakthrough. There'll be an answer. You keep knocking and keep knocking. You keep seeking and keep seeking. You keep looking. Listen. Just keep asking. Calling out. Calling, calling, calling. David said, early in the morning will I seek thee. I will lift up my voice. I will call out and I will cry out to you. 
He understood, David understood the power of crying out to God. Daniel prayed seven times a day. Look, these guys prayed. Praise. Enoch walked with God. Listen, they, they were intimate with God. David was out in the field. These guys knew what it meant. Solomon. They were priests before the Lord. Kings and priests. Some prophets. These men would get into the presence of the living God. In his presence. Something would happen. Something would change. Something happens in the presence of God that doesn't happen anywhere else. It's the only place that your doubts will begin to diminish. It's the only place that your fears will begin to fade. Is in the presence of the living God. The only place that God can take your mistakes and turn them into miracles. Look, a few seconds in the presence of God can begin to reveal to you what's really in your heart. Begin to reveal to you the mistakes that you're making. Begin to reveal to you maybe to draw back or pull back from a certain direction that you're headed. Some time in the presence of God, listen, it can bring joy to your morning, really. Begin to lift your spirit. Begin to restore your soul. Begin to all of a sudden when you're feeling blinded and you're feeling deaf and and all of a sudden you're confused about what's going on with the direction of God. You get in his presence and all of a sudden you begin to see again. You begin to feel again. You're not numb anymore because the pain starts to subside. And all of a sudden you start getting feeling back. All of a sudden you start getting hope again. And all of a sudden something starts to birth and bring and and move and, and become alive on the inside of you. And it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the living Word of God. The Bible says able to restore your soul. His words are health to your bones like breath. You live by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. So God wants to be right in the middle of everything in your life. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your path. And you need some direction. See, loneliness is not so much an absence of affection. It's an absence of direction. If you get so caught up in the things of God, if you get so caught up in the plans and purposes of God, you wouldn't have time to be so lonely. In fact, you'd be so caught up in the plans and purposes of God, your 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 soulmate, your friend, God will bring him into your life. Because they're there in that plan waiting for you to discover them. Waiting for you to discover the plan or the person or the purpose or the prayer or whatever it is. God's waiting for you to seek him enough so it's revealed. Pray hard enough till you tap into 
his plumb line, his well. Praise God. Well, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We give you praise and we give you glory. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a faithful, faithful, faithful father. You're a faithful friend. You're good to us, even when we don't deserve it. Thank God for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion, even when our compassions fail, even when our patience runs out, even when we have no tolerance for the people around us, Father. You still tolerate us. Lord, help us to to be more like that. And Lord, as we embrace our cross, Lord, give us the give us the fortitude in our minds, give us the strength in our bodies, give us the rest in our souls so we can embrace what you have for us. We just give you praise, Lord. Bless every man, every woman, every child, every teenager, every person listening tonight, Father, on the East Coast, West Coast, in the North, the South, the four corners of the earth, wherever they are, Father, we speak a blessing over your people. Father, we ask, Lord God, Father, that your will would be done and your kingdom would come. Father, just as it is in heaven, Father, we call forth your spirit, call forth your word, call forth your purposes into this earth. Lord, we pray, Father God, you would just open the eyes of your children, open their ears that they would be led by your spirit. Father, we pray for those that don't know you, Father, that you would reveal yourself in a real way, a genuine way, Lord, that you would strip the layers off of their hearts, Father, and that you would open them up to your peace and your love and your joy and your kindness and your goodness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here. Lord, heal those that are sick in their bodies. Rest in their minds. Blessings over every family member. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This is Prayer International Radio. We'll be back soon. And keep us in your prayers and we'll keep you in ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.